Hello and welcome to Let Us Learn More, a podcast focused on produce industry education. As you know, we at the Packer put on a number of events each year and we wanted to preserve all the great information that comes from those educational sessions. This season of the podcast is focused on our Sustainable Produce Summit. So without further ado, enjoy the session. Good morning and good day. It is great to have our digital audience with us today as we look at sustainability and packaging. Of course, this is the Packers Sustainable Produce Summit, and we we are reviewing research. Uh, we, re, uh, we are reviewing research collected by Aimpoint Research and supported by Appeal Sciences and uh, Emerald Packaging. And so we're excited for our panel. This is one of the most high interest items in the world of sustainability. So I really welcome the chance to talk to our panel today. Scott Kane is a Senior Vice President and COO of Aimpoint Research. Jay Singh is a Professor of Packaging at Cal Poly University and just a, a real expert in, in all things packaging. And Kevin Kelly, CEO of Emerald Packaging. And we're excited to have him here. And David Bell, Chief Marketing Officer for Howlings. David, thanks for being here. And uh, as we as we look at this issue, there's so much to to, to look at. Um, and Scott, I think I'll start with you just to review some of the research you collected um, and uh, how it relates to the packaging issue. Thanks. Absolutely, Tom. Well, and, and thank you for the time. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We, as an organization, have spent a lot of time looking at the entire agri-food value chain. And doing that, looking at words and talking about things like sustainability helps us understand what common issues exist and how to better understand how we bridge those. And what we've done in this case is we've spoken to both growers and folks in between growers and the consumers to try to understand better what's happening with this word that we use, sustainability. The bottom line in this research is that every group we've spoken to across the United States says that sustainability is no longer a topic that's a trend. It really is a requirement. And when we say requirement, we see that everyone is saying it is important. In fact, in many cases, it's nine of 10 growers or eight of 10 consumers who say sustainability is very important or somewhat important for them. When you actually think about this, understanding exactly how important this is leads us to a couple other questions, which is, if it's that important, what does it mean to you? So we really do need to understand that for all groups, what this means to us changes by the perceptions and where we stand. When we look at both growers and consumers, these word clouds show us that consumers are thinking about sustainability as an environmental factor, as something that exists in how the world is presented. When we talk to growers, it really is about how they do what they do. It's about consistently delivering or the longevity, or in this case, how I make a profit in this organization and how I drive things forward. When we think about that, it means that there's a disconnect between what consumers are saying, what manufacturers, retailers are saying, and what's happening down with the growers. And so we really do need to look at the full agri-value food chain. And when we think about that, one of the things we think about is let's get to shared values because it's shared values we get that common language. And when we look at shared values, what we understand is that most consumers believe that it's their responsibility. And growers say it's their responsibility. And it's this shared sense of responsibility towards sustainability and influencing sustainability that gather us around, well, what exactly does that mean for us? 
Bridging the gaps are the retailers who touch each of those groups. And what retailers will tell you is that they are skeptical that what consumers are asking for is in fact delivered by what they're doing. And so we have to ask ourselves, next slide, what we have to ask ourselves is if the bridge is those shared values, what are we gonna do to make sure we reinforce those so that the entire agri-food value chain believes in and finds accountability across all of that? So let's first talk about what consumers find to be most important about sustainability. What we know is it comes down in many cases to that which they touch. It comes down to what they see when they're buying products. The number one item that you see on here and consumers are in the light blue is the packaging. And as you look down through that, you can see that there are similarities and differences between packaging and organic and other activities. But what we actually see is that consumers lean into this packaging. So we started to ask ourselves, well, what exactly does that mean for packaging? And what we found is that packaging means various things to various individuals. But overall, what it means is it has to be either recyclable or it needs to be biodegradable. And that happens on both sides of the fence. So if, again, we're looking for commonalities, we begin to have a language and a subject to focus on. So we look at biological packaging or we look at recycling, and then we might go a little deeper and say, what do we have control about? And we look at growers and we looked at and we look at consumers and controllability on the next slide actually looks like how I do what I do. So when you look at the growers on the left hand side and you look at the consumers on the right hand side, the thing that they share comes into the packaging. And so to reinforce that point again, what we are able to control leads us down the path of how we become even more sustainable in what we're going to do. So what does this environmentally or eco friendly packaging really mean to consumers? Well, the first thing is that they differentiate between packaging and what happens downstream from that packaging. What's important for them is that packaging is the thing they touch and they realize every single day. But you can see an almost equal performance as what else we might describe normally as sustainable activity. Well, let's get back to biological packaging and biodegradable packaging. When we think about that, what we see is that there is a preferred packaging and that packaging leads us to understand more clearly exactly what we might say is the thing that's going to drive our ability to understand how we're going to build these bridges. If we go to the next slide, it comes down to activities, including um, how I get my packaging, where my secondary packaging comes from, and also how I get those packages home. So this isn't just a narrow view of how produce is wrapped. What it actually comes down to is it comes down to the entire life cycle of packaging. One step further to that, and you might ask is, are people actually willing to pay more. And the research said that growers were skeptical, but consumers are very clear that they're willing generally to pay 5% or more if they understand that that thing that is sustainably grown is also sustainably packaged. What we have to back up on, and this is the last slide, is that we have to understand that that skeptical nature of our growers leads them down the path of also saying, I need to know that this is good for my business as well. And I need to know that that sustained difference is going to lead me to continuing to be able to sustain my business. So the bottom line is we have bridges for these conversations. We have an opportunity to find commonalities and shared values. And the thing that comes most to mind when we do this, and, it does, and there's lots of things to talk about, is this packaging and how we address packaging. So I think what we're going to talk about now is exactly what that means to us across the board. Wow, very, very much information there. Very good stuff. And uh, my first question to you guys as a panel is this. The, the research that just Scott reviewed seems to indicate eco-friendly packaging is very important to consumers. Six out of ten. Um, 
are these consumers expressing that preference in the marketplace? And Kevin, maybe you can start and Jay as well. And, and David, uh, you can all chime in. Well, uh, just to start, uh, I, they, they might be expressing it. We're not, we're, we're hearing from our customers that they would like more biodegradable packaging. There are a couple of issues. Um, the, 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 the raw material to make biodegradable packaging is scarce. Scaling it to meet consumer demand in the next 10 years is almost impossible. Plus, it doesn't just take the price of a package, say, up 5 or 10%. It takes it up 30%, 40%. So you're running into all sorts of roadblocks right away, cost, scalability. And what the heck do you do with it in the end? You just can't put it in the recycle bin. That's not how biodegradable or compostable bin, that's not how biodegradable packaging works. It has to go to an industrial compost. Uh, the industrial compost has to accept that kind of package. It has to be geared to, to, uh, to uh, compost that kind of package. And guess what? There's a, only a handful of industrial compost in the country that will even take biodegradable packaging. So uh, even though consumers say they want biodegradable packaging uh, or compostable packaging, I'm using the two interchangeably and they're not necessarily, but in this case, I'll say biodegradable means compostable. It's it's impossible. You couldn't possibly take every package in the United States and turn it into compostable packaging right now, in five years, in 10 years, or even in 20 years. It's just not there. Plus, you have to look at the knock-on effects. Uh, if you put everything in corn or sugar, what crop is going to be displaced? Where is that crop going to go? say soybean got displaced to Brazil, which then caused the Amazon rainforest to get burned. So you have to look at the entire impact of going biodegradable. And the irony is it might have a bigger bigger carbon footprint than current plastics. And that's what consumers have to be educated about. And they're not. And that's our fault as an industry, I think. And uh, uh, we really have to get better about telling consumers the truth about this kind of packaging. Very, uh, very wise words and, and pointing out the fact that it's a pretty complex issue. It's not, it's not just a glimpse at a package and that we're going to tell if that's delivering the goods. I mean, it's, it's more than that. And Jay, you're, you're very familiar with uh, the reasoning and the facts behind packaging. Um, how do you see... I know you don't deal directly with consumers, perhaps, but what's your take on, on the marketplace and, and the desire to be more sustainable? What's going on? You know, for, first of all, I, I really like what Kevin mentioned or stated there. It's uh, it's taken the plastic industry to evolve. You know, mid-50s is when it started you know, coming into its own, and it's taken a lot of refinement to be at a, in a position it is in now. Um, having said that, you, know, you cannot overnight expect a biodegradable or compostable solution or an alternative, and and Kevin uh, uh, you know, pointed out uh, some of the facts of you know end of life. You know, there's going to be displacement of uh, it's made of natural resources. Yes. So what is going to happen to those natural resources? Is corn going to be you know a choice of uh, 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 corn is going to be at, uh, that that would be converted to PLA. Um, much more profitable for the farmers. Where's the corn for the uh, consumption going to go? 
so it, it, very valid points Kevin made there. And uh, from my perspective, uh, you know, what the consumers think and do are two different things. They think from their hearts. And what, the, what we you know, in the industry, we are, I have a PhD. I, I understand the materials. I understand design. I understand the implications of a poor box. You know, if you are talking about a wax alternative, for example, for a corrugate box, we've done testing here in our lab. There's nothing that can, you know, wax is bad. Yes, it makes the corrugate unrecyclable, but the alternatives are not there. Hey, what would you do if you are infusing, you, you, you're creating, you bring down the temperature with shaved ice in there? There's nothing else that handles except for maybe plastic. Um, so what do you do with that? Um, so consumer perception and it's not, it's lack of uh, knowledge, it's lack of experience, exposure, whatever you want to call it. They mean well, but they don't know how, how the, what the reality is. You know, it's not, you cannot just switch up a you know, button and, and overnight everything is you know, going to be green. It takes a long time. I'm not saying bio-based plastics are not, do not have a future. As it currently stands, there's a lot of issues with it, for example. Um, so yeah, consumers, in my perspective, uh, uh, it, it needs to be education. There needs to be some reality-based examples placed. You know, people see a, a, a video of a, or a, you know, uh, 24 days or 40 days of plastic is you know composting and goes away, and they think that's what it is. You know, every why isn't everybody using that kind of plastic? And that is not reality. That that was a stage. That was a perfect environment for that particular sample to biodegrade in. It, that doesn't happen in a landfill or in a you know typical compost pile. So yeah, I could go on and on, but you know, it's education. I think is key. It's uh, knee-jerk reaction should be um, not promoted, both in the society and in the legislation part. You know, you cannot just make a choice because it sounds better is it practical that that that's the perspective everybody should uh, look into very good very very good uh, analysis there thank you jay david uh, at the same time your company is involved with an initiative to replace plastic with appeal science coating for cucumbers i believe now correct me if i'm wrong but uh, as you talk to your customers and consumers what has been the feedback and 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 what do you, what uh, there, there's some passion around this issue though because people do not necessarily like to see plastic in, in packaging and you're doing something about it. What what's the reaction been? Well, I mean the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, and and the I mean there, there's a few things that that frame it. So what we have done is we have long English cucumbers, which are the traditional greenhouse cucumber, and is um, generally speaking, in the marketplace, always going to be wrapped in plastic. Uh, that plastic is, serves a shelf life extension function that the compared to a field-grown cucumber has a much uh, thicker skin, uh, more bitter taste. That's why people will peel field cucumbers, but you can eat the skin of the more delicate uh, greenhouse-grown cucumber. As a result, you need that, that plastic to protect the fruit uh, through the supply chain. Uh, in partnering with the peel, what we did is found an alternative solution that didn't involve plastic to provide that same shelf life extension that the plastic provides. So for the consumer, the reaction has been very positive because it's a very, very simple uh, equation for them. I buy an English cucumber, 
with plastic, it's an inconvenience to me or it's something I'm trying to avoid in my shopping patterns. And now there is an option that I can buy a cucumber without the plastic. Uh, without the consumer knowing the information, and as it's been stated a couple times here, uh, unfortunately, consumers aren't as educated as, as they could be or, or necessarily think they are on a lot of these issues. Uh, but, you know, the, the challenge is trying to get that messaging across to consumers and, and taking it on as an industry to try and educate consumers, I think is a bit of a lost a lost battle. What we need to find are opportunities uh, like this appeal treated cucumber example where we can make incremental improvements and change and start to see consumers vote with their dollar and uh, and really encourage it. It feels like the, the groundswell is there. We're hearing more from consumers directly to brands and to retailers uh, regarding their distaste for plastic, uh, but we, we haven't seen enough, from my opinion, at retail where the consumer has, has backed that up. Uh, but I do believe we're on the precipice of, of where that is where that is happening at a greater uh, rate. And as brands and as retailers, the commitment needs to be on finding those incremental opportunities and, and being able to um, commit to, to saying we, we may not be able to get there all in one step, but uh, many few steps will get us closer to, to the prize. Very good. Thanks. Um, and this is a question for the whole panel. Um, what's your view about ways the industry can and the supply chain can make it easier for consumers to select, you know, eco-friendly packaging, so to speak? And maybe related to that, do we need messaging on consumer packaging to tell them exactly what uh, what the benefits are? Um, you know, in, anybody that would like to respond, I'd, I'd welcome your thoughts. Well, I think, you know, one of the th interesting things about COVID has been uh, that people have voted by buying packaged produce. It has just absolutely boomed. Our sales have gone through the roof. I wish I could say I was a marketing genius. I'm not. Uh, I'm just sitting here actually uh, getting buried. And so, uh, well, while consumers may say one thing, uh, as uh, I think David has pointed out, uh, unless they're giving, given a, a, a real um, opportunity, like say maybe a coating uh, on something like a cucumber as opposed to plastic, uh, they're really going towards plastic right now because a uh, it seems to be uh, safer, uh, more hygienic. Um, I mean, I put my fingers all over the the uh, red cabbage every Sunday, and I'm wondering what what kind of bacteria I'm passing on to the next person. Um, and uh, uh, there's obviously shelf life extension because people are buying a lot more. Uh, they'd rather not see it go to waste. And so they're buying packaging that extends shelf life like the baby carrot package. So right now, uh, consumers are saying packaged. And really the only messaging that, that really can be put on a package right now is recycling, that the material can be recycled, but unfortunately it has to be taken back to a store. So the consumer has to vote with their feet and take their package back to the store. There has to be some education of consumers that this opportunity is there. When that program was set up in California many years ago, there was supposed to be a lot more advertising around it. It never materialized. Uh, and that's the industry's fault. Again, uh, we need to do more education about that. Uh, but we also need to begin to find ways to create funds that will upgrade our recycling system so that it can handle flexible packaging 
in a curbside program. And that's going to mean consumers paying a fee to have packaged items. And that's going to mean companies like ours participating in a product stewardship scheme where part of our revenue goes to upgrade the recycling system so it can handle more plastic. If we don't do that, everything we say, whether it's biodegradable, whether it's recyclable, nothing will change between now and 10 years except the packaging will get banned, salads will go away, baby carrots will go away. All the items that that plastic makes possible will be gone. And I don't think the produce industry gets this, that we are on the precipice of losing the packaging that has made their livelihoods possible, that makes their brand management possible. And so we really do have to start paying attention. If we say something's recyclable, we have to start paying attention to how it can be recycled. And that's going to require money. And it's gonna require money from the likes of us. Is that something that can be done in a in an industry supported way, or will it be kicking, screaming, or what's the sense of of money devoted to that type of effort, Kevin? Do you think it's going to be a easy lift to do that, or will there be? Well, no. I mean, if you look at Germany and and Jay, I'm sure you know about these programs, the Green Dot program in Germany, which is a, a program that covers all recycled recyclable products. Uh, companies have to pay a fee uh, in order to produce the product they do and have to pay a fee to uh, 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 help with uh, its recycling. Consumers have five different bins to support, to sort, sorry, sort, sort items so that they can be, can be recycled in the stream that they're supposed to be recycled in. This is an entire, and they're fined. They're fine. Consumers are fined if their packaging is not sorted as it is supposed supposed to be. And so there's accountability all along the chain. It raises billions of dollars that allows Germany to have one of the most sophisticated recycling systems in the world. The United States is nowhere near that. It's going to take billions of dollars and it's going to take everybody from the, the, the raw material supplier, through the manufacturer, through the grower, through the consumer, uh, providing the funding to, to, to change our recycling systems. I don't mean just plastic, I mean paper, cardboard, glass, any of it. If we're going to be serious as a country about recycling, we have to get serious. And we're nowhere near that, Tom. We're, we're absolutely nowhere near that. We're, we're pretending if, if we say we are. Jay, yeah. Jay you have a thought about that? Yeah, no, that, that's, you know, again, uh, Kevin makes really good valid points. And, and uh, uh, to your question, Tom, um, yeah, I think if, if you ask a question, yeah, this might be uh, something you might want to put on your next survey, Scott, is give them a piece of pie and tell them, hey, this is, you know, a product that you bought, it's a fresh product. Now guess how much, you know, what the carbon footprint of it is subjected to the logistics of the packaging to the product itself. I can guarantee you they will claim, you know, almost all of it is packaging. And that is not the case. You know, there are life cycle assessment studies out there. 
it's about you know, at the most maybe 15 you know, percent of the, the the type i have observed or studied it could be as little as five percent so the the carbon footprint or the environmental burden that this package product brings to to, to the stage when you're, you're picking up a package product at retail packaging is actually protecting the 95 percent of the resources that have gotten into the product itself whether you're growing something, whether you're harvesting something, whether you are you know, going to the ocean, getting a tuna, whatever it is, a majority of the energy and associated greenhouse gases are related to the product. So, and consumers don't you know, think that, and there, there are a lot of studies out there about losses and waste. Losses are something that are you know, difficult to manage. Losses are from field to uh, retail. Waste is where, you know, it, there was a study I, I found where in under undeveloped or developing countries, 40% of the product is lost from farm to retail. Whereas in countries like ours, we are wasting 40% of the product that is perfectly fine, that gets to us at a retail store for us to be picked at in pristine condition, and we waste it. So that, that's something I think that the, it's the bottom, it's, it's a very comprehensive understanding of what is it that they're getting into. Packaging is the first thing they look at. They feel it, they touch it, make the decisions based on it. And, and uh, you know, uh, Kevin mentioned the Green Dot. There's a, a pilot that Dow and Hefty started almost four or five years ago. Hefty bag and, and Dow, they, they came up with a thing, it's a purple or a pink bag. They did some, uh, uh, I believe, uh, one county in California. They uh, put out, so everybody with flexible, that the issue with plastics is it's 100% it's, uh, recyclable. It's, you know, high-density polyethylene or low-density polyethylene, low LDPs tend to be the bags that you put our lemons in. Those are perfectly recyclable. They are not because they, they uh, clog up the stream. The, our commingled uh, recycling is a big issue in California. Yes, we have bigger volumes, but the end result, the net output of the recycle is is slow in my mind. Uh, so it, it, what they did was uh, down Hefty did some trials. Uh, I think they're on to their third county now somewhere uh, in the southern part. You uh, give a bag to the consumers, curbside recycling. This is an additional bag that you put out. Anything that is flexible and plastic is put in there. And then they reverse engineer it. They did you know, pyrolysis or some mechanism they use. They uh, convert it back into oil. But those are very expensive. You cannot afford that, as, as Kevin mentioned. There's got to be a lot of uh, resources that need to be put into it. Mm -hmm. That's uh, yeah. There's there's so many uh, you know local state angles on, on this issue. Um, what about the consumers? They are out there. They're they're making their opinions. They're making their judgments on companies, corporation based on what they see. And they're consulting with each other. Scott, I guess you 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 saw that in the research. They're they uh, you know they're they don't just go to one place. They go to several places to get information on sustainability. Uh, does the panel believe that we're getting a, you know as time goes on, we're getting a consumer that's becoming more educated about uh, compostability and recycling? Are they are they? Uh, you know, are they advancing in their knowledge and what more needs to be done? And, and you know, how much of the, the consumers out there are just reacting against plastic just because that is something that they feel like they should be 
reacting against and want to make a difference in that way. I, I think the, you know, one of the challenges when we talk about the consumers, the, the consumer is many groups of consumers with different, different values and, and desires. Uh, and they also within, within that, their own opinion on sustainability and, and packaging are, are other things that are influencing them when they're in the shopping and the, in the retail environment, uh, such as convenience and certain things uh, when you look at convenience and sustainability can be not uh, not always but but quite often are um, you know, the, are items that are that are going to conflict there you're going to have heavily packaged items if you want uh, two or three carrots for your children to take in their school lunch we know we want children to eat more fruits and vegetables where where are the trade-offs and as a you know personally as a as a parent those are decisions we have to make in our own household as to how do we get more fruits and vegetables into our children and if uh, certainly for myself and my wife we would we would choose a much less packaged option but there are many occasions where those things that make it easy for us to put healthy food on the table can be uh, pre-packaged meal meal kits being another uh, example of something that's uh, especially during the during the pandemic have uh, I think seen a lot of rise as more families are cooking from home there's heavy package implications of those, but they're convenient in delivering uh, healthy, healthy meals. We, we have trade-offs and consumers ultimately are going to make those trade-off decisions uh, influenced by the environment they're in, the store they're shopping at. And, and at the end of the day, what's in their wallets and what they can put towards what they value in, in their, uh, in their overall monthly needs. Yeah, you're good. Nick, I think David is David is right. He makes uh, very valid points there. I think what's interesting about his product, uh, the product he's using, is that he, it is making an incremental difference. And I think there is probably too much packaging in this world. And where we can uh, live without it, we we I think companies would be wise to to really look at eliminating where they can. Uh, uh, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the plastics guy saying that. I think it's. I think it, I'm being realistic. And if I want the industry to survive, you have to take uh, this kind of position. I don't know what we do about consumer education. I mean, you know, uh, people think of natural gas as being better than coal, but for instance, but there's so many leaks along natural gas pipelines. If uh, two to three percent of the methane uh, uh, leaks in a pipeline, you might as well just have a coal plant. And in fact, in most cases, the leak is, uh, leakage is over 5%. And so, you know, things that we think are, are, are environmental goods uh, turn out not to be. I mean, unpackaged uh, produce in some cases uh, 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 rots faster than, than, than packaged produce. Uh, you wouldn't have a baby carrot in people's uh, lunch boxes, kids' lunch boxes, or uh, you wouldn't have it in my uh, famous baby carrot Sunday recipe uh, if it wasn't packaged and uh, it wasn't there for 14, 21, 25 days. Uh, uh, things would rot a lot faster, which of course causes methane release as well. So I think that the questions are, are really complex and it's incumbent upon us as industry leaders, uh, as educators, uh, to really get in front of the public, whether it's through social media, I just did an interview with Earth 9-11 yesterday, to talk about these issues uh, as often as we can uh, and, and get the word out there about what is possible, what is good, 
what might work and, and how complex these issues actually are because there's not easy answers. Uh, even David's uh, example uh, probably took a heck of a lot of research to get done and, uh, and kudos to him for doing it and he and his company for doing it. Mm -hmm. I think it all boils down to needs and wants, uh, Tom, to answer your question in a different way. It's, it's the needs and wants, you know, the society, it's us who are putting that, you know, baby carrots wouldn't be on the market if they, nobody bought them, right? So if everybody uh, supports more regional or local supply chains, uh, less packaging, you know, less environmental burden. So it, it all ends up being what do we as a society need and want? very different, very difficult words to explain and they have implications into everything and uh, all, the, all the way up to the end of life of packaged products. So uh, ultimately that, that's something that uh, you know, consumers need to be put through. Uh, it's the carbon footprint of every decision they make and how that is divided up. You know, it, it, but that's unfortunately uh, uh, not possible, you know, even to us as educators, because we don't have enough time to do that. I'm sorry, go ahead. What, Tom, what I was going to say is, is to compliment where Jay was and even what, what Kevin and David had said is that we, we uh, consumers are clearly not a homogenous group. And that which drives the decision making in one group certainly does or does not influence other groups. And the biggest challenge is that the diversity of information that we have available to us, and we saw in the research, is that it isn't social media that's driving decision-making. It's lots of information. The challenge that our consumers display is that some people cannot, to use a term that follows this, digest all the information that's being given to them. And so they are selective in hearing and viewing, understanding, and doing. And so what we have to do is find that common denominator that moves people as a group um, and it's not easy, and it, it certainly isn't going to move everyone. So finding that middle ground is what's going to prove to be the most efficacious. In a lot of, in a lot of ways, uh, I think legislators think they're the ones uh, at the end of the day who have to solve the problems for consumers. We just went through a process here of uh, dealing with a bill in the California legislature that essentially would have banned plastics by uh, 2025, 20. 26 because we wouldn't be able to hit the recycling rates that the bill required. Uh, something like that's coming back up on the, uh, uh, the uh, proposition ballot in 2022. And uh, consumers are going to be faced themselves at that point with having to educate themselves and having to come to an understanding of what exactly it is they're voting on. And maybe that kind of uh, 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 voting for a law uh, as a society, as opposed to just leaving it to legislators, will provide some source or, or, or possibility of uh, consumer education. Uh, California, to, and to other Scott's other point, I'm sure there are regional differences too, right? Californians along the coast uh, uh, are, are obsessed about all things sustainable. You start going inland a bit and uh, sustainability is defined differently and keep going uh, across the country and it keeps getting redefined. Uh, uh, so that is that is an issue and it's an issue for legislation as well because you end up with one law in California, another law in Wyoming. Uh, these are issues that really need to be sorted out at the federal level, uh, particularly recycling 
And I think it probably will be in the next few years. But again, uh, legislators have to be educated. Consumers have to be educated. And uh, uh, I think it's we really do need to move society along, but it's going to take a lot, a lot of work. I mean, folks like Jay can now have full-time jobs just uh, doing social media education, uh, uh, become YouTube stars. So uh, we have a lot of work in front of us. That's great. Yeah. And I, you know, we, our, our session here talked about COVID-19 as far as uh, how has it changed packaging and sustainability. So I, you know, we haven't really delved into that too much. Well, I could spend a couple hours with you guys. It's been great, but uh, we are running toward the end of our session, but I want to look at COVID-19 and how that's affected uh, the packaging industry. We've touched on it a little bit. Uh, what, what does it mean for the short and long term in terms of what consumers need out of packaging, what they want? Welcome. Any comments from the panel? I think the, I mean, what, what we saw was certainly a, a, a spike in packaged product, uh, initially at the, at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, but, and certainly as a, a company in, in partnership with uh, Appeal bringing a plastic-free cucumber to market during a time when uh, when consumer um, sentiment and reactions were, were changing amid some you know, great uncertainty and anxiety uh, in, in something what was so simple as shopping experience. Uh, we're very fortunate that in Appeal commissioned some uh, consumer research and, and we did it in waves and started to see uh, where, you know, by the, the fourth, by the fourth wave, as consumers began to get more comfortable, their uh, perspective on plastic and their openness to plastic free option uh, began to go back to pre COVID levels. So I certainly feel that, that we will see a, a rebound. I, I think there will be consumers who uh, likely will have found greater convenience in some of the packaged items that they've that they've converted to, whether their reasons were for convenience or for a perceived uh, safety increase. I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. Their actions at retail are are the actions that are that are measurable. But overall, the the sentiment of consumer, and I'm certainly from what Scott shared, uh, continues to push towards wanting to be more sustainable. It doesn't solve uh, the issues that, that have been outlined and, and are and are many and are very complex, uh, but the, the overall, I would say, the voice of the consumer continues to grow stronger with the many different digital channels they can use. Uh, and, and, and ultimately, uh, they will continue to, to push us and, and we all need to make smart business decisions that allow sustainability to Im impact our, uh, our bottom line in a positive way as well. And that's gonna be through better consumer interactions, better consumer loyalty. And, uh, and focusing on the initiatives that can can make measurable improvements to our operations and our overall uh, economic footprint. I, I, I just echo David, and I think he's, 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 he's spot on. Uh, I do, do think what we've seen is uh, continued uh, interest in buying packaged product. Uh, the, our sales, our bookings uh, continue to be up 20, 30% year over year. Uh, uh, and I mean, they really took off in March, April, but they've come down a bit, but still running at that 20 to 30 percent uh, uh, increase. That doesn't mean the sustainability issue has gone away in consumers' minds. It doesn't mean it's gone away 
in grocers' minds and retailers' minds, the industry still has to address those issues, just like we did uh, in February or January. Uh, uh, I think the conversation has gotten maybe a little bit more complex, but the conversation is, is still there. And it's something we all have to, uh, as part of the supply chain, we all have to deal with. Thanks. Jay, any thoughts? Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, you know, so one of the things that, uh, you know, has, uh, it's commonsensical that it was bound to happen and has happened is increased online uh, purchasing. Um, and there's a survey I was just reading this morning uh, where it's showing even after that they were asked the question whether they would, if post-COVID, would they reduce and go back to uh, reduce their online purchasing and go back to their brick and mortar purchasing. They like, uh, it doesn't seem likely. So they have now gotten the habit of buying online and receiving it on the door front so that this new health and hygiene and sanitation issue is not temporary, I don't think. And this habit that they have created, and I'm, I'm, I do the same as well. So, you know, buying more online is not necessarily sustainable. It complicates the supply chains. And I think where the true value is, and, and we have all experienced this, something you ordered 10 years ago might have taken three, four, five days a week to get to your doorstep. Today, you know, on a good day, you might uh, get it the same day. Because the, the way the, the fulfillment centers and the way the uh, uh, operations are getting refined, um, don't want to name names here, but, you know, a lot of really good steps uh, being taken given how uh, how huge this omni-channel concept is and how easily and totally it's being adapted by the consumers of today and tomorrow. The key here, uh, packaging also requ it required uh, uh, not only to be sustainable, but also the supply chain through which these things are being moved have to be um, sustainable as well. And that, that's something I think will matter, uh, we do have more residential waste, not just, uh, you know, it, it's a direct impact of not going out there to eat as much as more product that you're getting. We might have noticed in our trash bins, you know, they're getting fuller, you know, used to be uh, a little different uh, prior to a, a pandemic. And, and uh, they, they're estimating there's about 25% more residential waste and our systems have not evolved to Except all of this, uh, you know, recycling challenge. Um, so a lot of it uh, is very likely getting into the landfill. So it, again, it goes back to the the needs and wants of the society. You know, we want something at the click of a mouse button, and uh, if that is the case, then uh, things will have to evolve. It's, it's a downer hole. Very good, Yasha and Scott. Thanks for setting us up with this topic. Any any closing thoughts from you on? On um, what's ahead? What what what's your what's your gut instinct tell you? Two two immediate thoughts. One is though we had people talk about a sense of responsibility, the sense of urgency wasn't as profound. And so I do feel that what we're beginning to hear is that people understand change takes time. They may press. In this case, the consumers may press for faster. But I think there's a healthy amount of respect for the fact that turning this is going to take time. And so the first thing is, I think there's also um, a sense of 
we're in it with you and therefore we need to understand what our responsibility is and how we can play better at it. In terms of five or 10 years, what we're hearing is exactly what you've heard from the other gentleman on this call, which is it's, it's going to take an awful lot of effort. And the question becomes, how much patience do we all have to answering those questions and articulating well to people what they need to understand to, uh, to be part of the solution? Well, I think our time is, is out, but Scott, Jay, Kevin, David, you've been a great panel, and uh, I know we'll have a Zoom chat here to talk about some of these issues as well. So, again, our, our audience, thank you for, for showing up, and we appreciate our panel for their insights today. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to this great content from our Sustainable Produce Summit. We hope to see you at our next event. Remember, we've got West Coast Produce Expo, the Global Organic Produce Expo, and the Sustainable Produce Summit all as part of the roster. And of course, you can always read our reporting on thepacker.com and producemarketguide.com, along with our weekly newspapers and magazines every other month. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Let Us Learn More podcast.